The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, good morning. Let's all open our Bibles together to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I'm going to start a new new series today. I'm going to talk about it here just a little bit. Let's look at John chapter 13. Let's begin at verse number 12. We read here, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I pray you would uh, use this time to instruct us Help us, Lord, to learn and glean from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We've just completed a series of lessons that I began on May 3rd of 2015. And the last time that I taught, which was, uh, I think, two weeks ago, we concluded that, that series. In that series, on the Christian life, we looked at seven divine calls from God. Uh, we looked at 14 lessons, and we had 14 lessons concerning doctrine. We had 12 lessons on the judgment of the saints. We had seven lessons on the rapture of the church, seven lessons on discipleship, 14 lessons on the church. It was a total of 61 lessons on the Christian life, encompassing 31 months or 124 weeks of teaching. So that was a long time. Two and a half years, two years and seven months. I told Pastor, I don't know where to go now. When you teach a series that long, sometimes you get so comfortable in teaching that subject that, uh, and, and quite honestly, I probably could, have go, could go for another 31 months on the same subject. Uh, it's just so encompassing. But as I contemplated where we would go from here, I thought about expounding upon our life as servants of God. After all, we are here for that very purpose. That's why we're here. We're here to serve, honor, and glorify God the Father. So I think, uh, I think a, a, a review into our lives and to examine our lives from the, from the aspect of a servant, it would be beneficial to us in our Christian study. To glorify God by our life. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. We're not here to make money, although we have to make money in order to, to pay the bills and be a good testimony. Uh, we're not here for fame. Uh, if, if we, with our life, can, can stay in the shadows and, and, and allow Christ to shine then we've, we've done the right thing. We're not here for popularity. 
Now, those of you who know me well, you know that I'm the class clown. I'm the guy who likes to make everybody laugh. I'm Brother Gary's, where's Brother Gary? I'm Brother Gary's thorn in the flesh in the choir. And uh, I, love to, I love to have a good time. I love to make people laugh. Uh, I, just, I just enjoy that. But we're not here for popularity. Whether we're popular or not is irrelevant. Uh, we are to do God's will. And by the way, when you do God's will, often you're not popular. At least at your job or, or in your community, um, places like that. They that will live godly in this present time shall suffer what? persecution. So living for God doesn't make you popular. So um, we're not here for that. We're here to glorify and honor the Father. So today I would like to begin by laying some groundwork concerning our roles as servants of God. Now in the days of the patriarchs, God worked through the family. The head of the family Uh, serving as priest on behalf of the entire family. In the days of Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob, uh, those those men, those those fathers, served as the head of the family, and they, in in, in essence, served as the, in the office of the priesthood to the father himself. Then, after the exodus, God began working through the temple worship. And then, at that time, the Levites were, were called and chosen by God to, to serve in the temple. And they became the servants of God. And they worked through the temple. All, all worship and all service in those days went through the temple itself. However, after the advent of Christ, God now works through what entity? Who knows? The local church, thank you, yes. After the advent of Christ, God now works through his church, through the local church. So if you and I will serve God, we will have to serve him through the local church ministries. Now, given this, allow me to make some observations concerning our service to the Lord. So this morning, number one on your study sheet, Roman number one, is the question, what is a servant? What is a servant? Well, Webster defines a servant as a person employed in the service of another. Now this is not to be confused with a slave. A slave is a person who is the property of and wholly subject to another. A person entirely under the domination of some influence or person. Now, wait a minute. From that definition, are we, in fact, slaves of Christ? Who says we are? Raise your hand. Yes, we are are slaves of Christ. Paul, as a matter of fact, Paul called himself a slave of Christ. Now, we are are willing slaves, of course, and, and, and... But slaves we are, by definition. We are the property of and wholly subject to the Lord Jesus Christ, are we not? Did he not purchase us? Paul tells us in Scripture, For ye are not your own, you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your bodies. So we are, in fact, the property of Jesus Christ. And we are subject to his authority. So in essence, we are are slaves. 
However, we are servants through his local church. Now, it is certain that we are the property of God the Father in heaven. And, and as I stated, uh, we are willingly in that office. However, God did, however, did God intend, let me ask you this question, did God intend to make us slaves or did he intend to make us servants? Who, would, who, who wants to answer that question? Servants, yes. Now, think about your children, your, your parents. Did you have children so you could have slaves? No. Well, yeah, I guess maybe. They may ultimately end up our slaves for 18 years, but we didn't have children because we wanted slaves. We had children because we, we, we wanted to uh, have our own prodigy. We wanted, we wanted to, to have others to share in our life and, and be a part of all that we are and do. So we didn't have children to have, to have slaves. Um, however, as I stated, Paul did consider himself a prisoner of the Lord. In Philemon, uh, in the book of Philemon, verse 1, Paul, we read Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. So Paul considered himself a prisoner of Christ. But wait a minute, a prisoner is not a slave, is it? No, a prisoner is not a slave. In this, Paul intends us to understand that he is a captive of the love, grace, and mercy of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. As I stand here this morning, I could consider myself a prisoner of my wife. And that would be more true than you think, but a prisoner of my wife. Why? Because I'm captive. She, she captured my heart 37 years ago. And she's possessed it all this time. She has the key to my freedom. And she's holding on tight to that key. But I'm, I'm captive of her love. And, and, and we are prisoners of Christ today as we are captives of his love also. How can you possibly, how can you possibly think about and meditate upon the love of Christ and not not become captive of his, of his great love. I think about that often. I don't know, I, I, I don't think I could love someone like me. I really don't. Uh, but the Lord loves me. And I don't know why. I ask him that often. Lord, why do you love me? Uh, I disappoint you. I, I, I just don't understand why God loves me, but he does. And he loves you. And so we are captive to his love and, and, and to his grace and mercy. On the other hand, Paul also introduces himself as a servant. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, we read Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, we read Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, a servant of God. And you and I today are servants of the Lord. We are purchased by the blood of Christ. We're, we weren't purchased to be slaves. He didn't buy us as, 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 as you would buy a slave. We are, but we are empowered today. 
we are empowered to be his servants. Do you understand that in, your, in, in the natural state, man has nothing to offer God in the way of service? Oh, men may, they may gather in a church assembly. There may even be unsaved men who come to our church services at times. They may sit in the pew and they may partake in the, in the singing. They may listen to the message and they may agree with the message. And they may do all those things, but they can't serve the Lord. Why? Because they're not his child. Now at times throughout history and in the scripture, we see where God does sometimes use unsaved men as, a, as, an ends to, as a means to his ends. We see Pharaoh, for instance. Pharaoh was used by God. He was used by God to bring his own glory upon, upon himself and, and to show the nation of Israel his great power and authority. And there are times, God even used, he used a donkey one time, didn't he? Yeah. He, he brought glory and honor to his name through the mouth of a donkey. And Balaam's donkey. And, and so God uh, certainly can empower uh, anyone to do what he wants. But we as his children are empowered today as servants of the living God. So given this, there's some things I want to consider. First of all, uh, number two, let us consider where can I serve. First we looked at what is a servant. And certainly to qualify as a servant of the living God... We have to be a child of God. We must be born again, uh, and, and we must uh, be purchased with the blood of Christ. But number two, where can I serve? Turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, if you would. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. We read here, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now this whole passage that we read is an, a description of the offices and the responsibilities and the duties within the local church, the local body, of a, uh, 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 the assembled body of believers. Now I mentioned a moment ago that God works through the local church. But I've known people over the years, who claim to be servants of the Lord, yet they refuse to be a member of a local New Testament church. Is this possible? 
Can you be a servant of the Lord and not be a member of his local church? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, my answer is no. Because God's, because we serve God through the ministries of the local church. Now, there are a lot of, listen, there are a lot of people out there who do very good things. There are a lot of what we call parachurch organizations. And they're doing good things. They're, they're definitely doing good things. I don't argue with that at all. We have, you have parachurch organizations out there that are running conference centers where believers come together and, 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 and receive preaching and teaching uh, in, in conferences and things like that. You have, you have organizations around this country who, who conduct youth camps. Uh, and, and they do a lot, of, a lot of work in those youth camps to, to try to reach young people and do all those things. And, and I appreciate all of that. However, they do it apart from the local church. And that is not ordained by the Father. We are to serve the Lord through our local church and our local church ministries. Now, there's nothing wrong with a, with a conference center or a, a campground who is under the auspice of the local church. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, naturally, we don't want to have uh, 250 children descend on this building uh, for a week and have them pitching tents at, on the property and, and throwing sleeping bags on the floor uh, and tearing down the property uh, all summer long. We don't want that. So, yeah, we might, we might go out and rent a facility. We might go out and rent some place where we can conduct these things and, and we might uh, organize these things. And they might not be right here on the physical plant of the church. However, they operate under the authority of the local church. Missionaries is a prime example. Missionaries are sent by who? The local church. Some are. Some missionaries are sent by missionary organizations, which have formed themselves apart from the local church, and they're not under the auspice or authority of the local church, and they operate under their own authority, and they dispatch missionaries throughout the globe. Now, I'm not here, to, I'm not here this morning to say that's a bad thing. I mean, I'm not demeaning the work of all those missionaries out there who who may not be sent by a local church. However, if we are going to follow God's uh, outline and God's plan, the missionaries should be sent by a local church. Amen? And their, their work should be done under the authority of the local church because they need to be accountable. <laughs> they need to be accountable to the church. The, the, the Lord's bride, they need, to be, they need to be held accountable. Now, if they're operating as a rogue out there under nobody's authority, then they're not answerable to anyone. And therefore, uh, there's more danger that their service, that what they do, will fall into error and will become, instead of a blessing to the people of God, can become a detriment. So it's, it's important for us to understand <laughs> that we serve the place where we serve is through the local church. So where I can serve is the local church. I, I, I've known people 
I, I grew up with a guy one day, and after I'd gotten saved, and I was, I was running a school, one day I, t- I decided to take the students to a park. This was back in Louisiana. We went to a, a park for them to play in the afternoon. And, and when we got there, I saw a man sitting in the middle of the field. And so, you know, of course, having all these children, I wanted to know, who, this, who is this guy? So I strolled over there, and when I got closer, I realized he was someone I knew. And uh, I walked over to him. His name was Paul. I said, Paul, how you doing? He said, oh, hey, Dalton, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm waiting on the Lord. Right away, my radar went up. Pew! I said, you're waiting on the Lord? He said, yes. He's coming soon. And I'm sitting here watching the skies, waiting for the Lord. I said, okay, well, you know, kind of hard to argue with someone who's, who's watching for the coming of Christ, right? I said, so, I said, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. I said, you don't, you don't go to church? He said, no. I said, well, are you, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Oh, yes, yes, I've been saved. I said, and you, you don't, you're not a member of a church anywhere? No, no. I don't need to be a member of the church to worship God. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to, to be critical or, or, or to, to um, put myself in a, in a position to be better than him, but I, even as a young Christian, I realized that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. We serve through the church. And, and uh, we, we're, not, we're not a bunch of, uh, um, ronin. Anyone know what a ronin is? Any of you know what a ronin is? Okay, well, uh, yeah, Brian knows. A ronin was a samurai warrior whose, whose master had been killed or, or put to death, and, and he survived, and he has no master. So he just kind of goes around, and he, he sells his sword to whoever wants to buy it. And, and so we got a bunch of Ronin Christians out there, or at least people who claim to be Christians, uh, who, who, who don't belong to the church. And therefore, they cannot effectively and effectually serve Christ. They might do good things. They might, they might, they might do all the things that in their heart they, they, they believe a Christian should do. But what did God tell what did God tell um, Elijah? He said, Elijah, go to the brook Cherith. And I have ordered, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now what if Elijah decided, well, you know what, I don't like the brook Cherith. I think I'll go someplace else. Well, guess what? Elijah wouldn't have been fed. And if you and I decide, well, you know, I don't, I don't like to be under the authority of the church. So I'm going to worship God in my own way. And in essence, you're not worshiping God at all. Because God's place is in and through the local church. So, if I will be a servant of the Lord, I must be a servant of the church. Then number three today, when should I serve? So we've looked at what is a servant. Secondly, where can we serve? Number three, when should I serve? Now in John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. So the answer to question number three, when should I serve, is what? 
now? The answer is today. Don't wait until later to serve the Lord. I used to, when, I, when I would work with the teenagers, I used to tell them that. Don't wait. Don't sit there as a, as a teenager and say, well, you know, when I, when, I, when I turn 21, I'll start serving the Lord. No, you won't. You won't. Because you're developing habits now every day. And you know, habits are hard to break. They really are. So, if we're going to serve him, we serve now. James, in, in James chapter 4 and verse 14, writes this, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. We have no, we have no guarantee that we have a tomorrow. You could be sitting here right now, and you could be thinking, well, you know what? Uh, tomorrow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for the Lord. Tomorrow I'm going to do this, or tomorrow I'm going to do that. Well, you know, there's a lot of people in North Santa Rosa that thought about that they would do things tomorrow, and tomorrow never came for them, did it? The funeral home is full of people. The morgue is full of people who thought they would have a tomorrow. If, you, if there is something you are going to do for the Lord, then do it now. Don't sit around waiting for a better time, because there is no better time to serve the Lord than now. In every place, in every way, you can, you can honor God with your life and, and serve Him. And do it now. Do it today. In John chapter 4 and verse 35, I read this verse when I preached it the last time. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, Solomon writes, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, years ago, many, many, many moons ago, I, I, I read this verse and started thinking about that. And I also read, read, read the verse where, where the Lord teaches and says, um, say, say not today uh, or tomorrow I will go and, and sell and buy. But I learned to say, Lord willing. And I get a lot of, I get a lot of weird looks when I leave work every day over in San Rafael and people say, all right, see you tomorrow. I say, Lord willing. Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. Because you see, you and I just don't know, do we? And it's, it's, it's a bit of arrogance for us to assume that we have tomorrow. It's a bit of arrogance for me to assume that I'll see you tonight. Because I don't know. You don't know, I don't know, only God knows. And all things happen according to his will. So, we are to serve him right now. He's given you now. He's given you this moment. He's given you this place. Use it. Take advantage of it now. You have an unsaved relative that you're burdened about? Go home. Go home after. Don't do it now. Don't pull out your cell phone. Otherwise, John will start charging you. But go home after church and pick up the phone and call him and say, Hey, 
I love you, and I'm concerned about your spiritual life. And talk to them. You'd say, well, they'll, they'll get mad at me. Like my daddy used to say, don't worry, they'll get happy again. Just do it. Serve now. Do it now. Is there someone, is there someone that you need to, to make an apology to? You know, I was preaching years ago about forgiveness and all these things, and a situation happened where many, many years ago, my, my aunt broke into our home and stole some things from us. And I knew it was her because she left one of her personal possessions behind. And I knew it was her. And I confronted her, and she wouldn't admit to it. And for years, I, I held a grudge against her. And I was standing in this church. I was standing here preaching one day, talking about forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit struck me just as hard as you could possibly be struck. It was like he punched me in the gut. And I went home after church, and I picked up the phone, and I called my aunt, and I said, Rosemary, I'm sorry. I, I, I've not forgiven you all this time. Forgive me for what? It didn't matter to me that she ever, she still never acknowledged or admitted, and I know better. But you know what? I needed, to, I needed to get my end of that right. And I told her, I forgive you. And the next time I visited family back home, I could walk up to her. I could put my arms around her, and I could smile, and I could say, I love you, because I forgave her. You need to do that with someone? Is that someone you need to do that? Is there some member of this church that you've got something against? Is there some relative? Is there some person you need to go to and say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you? Don't wait till tomorrow, because you might not have tomorrow. You may not have tonight. Do it now. The time to serve is now. And Jesus spoke about the night. And I jotted down a few things. There's the night of apathy. Matthew 22, again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his form, another to his merchandise. The remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. The night of apathy is coming. People, did, have you noticed how people just don't care anymore? Have you noticed that? All the things we see taking place around us every day, and yet people just don't care. Apathy. There's the night of apostasy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, uh, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And that's where we are. People don't want preaching anymore. There's a reason why churches like Berean Baptist Church are not mega churches running thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It's because when you get down into the doctrine of the Bible and you preach hell and you preach truth, people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. And they, they go find some place where they can hear the smooth things. Well, not only the night of, of apathy and the night of apostasy, but also the night of mortality. Hebrews chapter 9, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Mortality, your own death is coming. Disease, sickness, 
Suffering, accidents, mortality. Your mortality faces you at every moment. And we need to serve the night of, of mortality is coming. The day of your death. And, and Solomon said, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge in the grave, whither thou goest. Once we depart this terrestrial life, our work is done. The things we've left undone will remain undone for us. So if you will, if you will do anything for God, do it now. And then, number four, why must I serve? Why must I serve? The nature of man is exactly opposed to the nature of God. Therefore, the things that come to us naturally are not the things that God has willed for us. I think the most compelling reason to serve is because I was made to serve. Not to be served. I must serve first because Jesus taught me to serve. By his own example in John chapter 13, we read it earlier. Jesus showed his disciples, he washed their feet and he said, what I've done to you, you do to others. Jesus taught me to serve. My daddy raised me to believe this, and there's a statement on your answer sheets. It is easier to get people to work with me than it is to get people to work for me. My father owned his own business. He owned his own company. But daddy didn't sit in an office and direct his business. He was a hands-on owner. Daddy was on the job. He He was the first one to arrive every day. And he was the last one to leave every day. And he didn't hire people to work for him. He hired people to work with him. And you're going to find in life, it is easier to get people to work with you than it is to work for you. Then I must serve, secondly, because you need me to serve. That's right, you need me to serve. In Philippians chapter 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You need me to serve. And by the way, I need you to serve. We, we need each other. And, and, and that, is, that is how God perpetuates the work of his church. We serve one another. We serve him by serving one another. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that if we have love one for another, that men would know that we are what? His disciples. He would know that we're his disciples. And the one telltale sign he gave for men to know that we are true disciples of Christ is that we love one another. And if you love someone, you serve them. I could sit there and tell my wife, I love you. And she'd say, would you go get me a, a soda out of the fridge? Ah, go get it yourself. But I love you. Really? You love her? No, no. When we love one another, we serve one another. We, we, we provide for each other. And then lastly, and I have to hurry, how should I serve? I'm not going to have time to fully develop these. I'll just give them to you. How should I serve? Well, first of all, Heartily. Heartily. 
Not with eyes, Ephesians 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Heartily. What's your behavior like away from the church, where people don't see you in private, when no one's watching? You see, that's where God wants you to be. That's what God looks at. What you do from your heart and in your heart. Second, cheerfully. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Cheerfully. Listen, you should be, you should be thankful and joyous that we, we have a church where we, can, where we can come and serve. Serve him cheerfully. Be glad that you have an opportunity to serve the Lord. Don't wake up on Sunday morning and say, oh, God, church again? <sighs> no. Saturday night, be excited. Lay out your clothes for church tomorrow and tell the kids, hey, church tomorrow, let's get to bed, let's get some sleep. And, and be cheerful and excited and joyous for the opportunity to serve the Lord. And then, lastly this morning, faithfully. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found We're to serve the Lord faithfully. You know, there are, there are a thousand reasons, a thousand reasons not to serve God. And, and, and some of them are really good. But there's one reason why we should. And that's because he loved me before I ever knew him. So serve the Lord Faithfully. Be faithful to the Lord in all that we do. All right, folks. I went a moment or two over. I'm terribly sorry. So let's go ahead and dismiss. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.